What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Volume 2, Part 2, Chapter 37 of the ingenious gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha, by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by John Ormsby, eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Volume two, part two, chapter thirty seven, wherein is continued the notable adventure of the distressed duenna the duke and duchess were extremely glad to see how readily don quixote fell in with their scheme but at this moment sancho observed i hope this senora duenna won't be putting any difficulties in the way of the promise of my government for i have heard a toledo apothecary who talked like a goldfinch say that where duennas were mixed up nothing good could happen god bless me how he hated them that same apothecary and so what i'm thinking is if all duennas of whatever sort of condition they may be are plagues and busybodies what must they be that are distressed like this countess three skirts or three tails for in my country skirts or tails tails or skirts it's all one hush friend sancho said don quixote since this lady duenna comes in quest of me from such a distant land she cannot be one of those the apothecary meant moreover this is a countess and when countesses serve as duennas it is in the service of queens and empresses for in their own houses they are mistresses paramount and have other duennas to wait on them to this doña rodriguez who was present made answer my lady the duchess has duennas in her service that might be countesses if it was the will of fortune but laws go as kings like let nobody speak ill of duennas above all of ancient maiden ones for though i am not one myself i know and am aware of the advantage a maiden duenna has over one that is a widow but he who clipped us has kept the scissors for all that said sancho there's so much to be clipped about duennas so my barber said that it will be better not to stir the rice even though it sticks these squires returned doña rodriguez are always our enemies and as they are the haunting spirits of the antechambers and watch us at every step whenever they are not saying their prayers and that's often enough they spend their time in tattling about us digging up our bones and burying our good name but i can tell these walking blocks that we will live in spite of them and in great houses too though we die of hunger and cover our flesh be it delicate or not with widow's weeds as one covers or hides a dunghill on a procession day by my faith if it were permitted me in time allowed i could prove not only to those here present but to all the world that there is no virtue that is not to be found in a duenna i have no doubt said the duchess that my good doña rodriguez is right and very much so but she had better bide her time for fighting her own battle and that of the rest of the duennas 
so as to crush the calumny of that vile apothecary and root out the prejudice in the great sancho panza's mind to which sancho replied ever since i have sniffed the governorship i have got rid of the humours of a squire and i don't care a wild fig for all the duennas in the world they would have carried on this duenna dispute further had they not heard the notes of the fife and drums once more from which they concluded that the distressed duenna was making her entrance the duchess asked the duke if it would be proper to go out to receive her as she was a countess and a person of rank in respect of her being a countess said sancho before the duke could reply i am for your highness's going out to receive her but in respect of her being a duenna it is my opinion you should not stir a step who bade thee meddle in this sancho said don quixote who senor said sancho i meddle for i have a right to meddle as a squire who has learned the rules of courtesy in the school of your worship the most courteous and best-bred knight in the whole world of courtliness and in these things as i have heard your worship say as much is lost by a card too many as by a card too few and to one who has his ears open few words sancho is right said the duke we'll see what the countess is like and by that measure the courtesy that is due to her and now the drums and fife made their entrance as before and here the author brought this short chapter to an end and began the next following up the same adventure which is one of the most notable in the history end of volume two part two chapter thirty seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter thirty eight of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter thirty eight wherein is told the distressed duenna's tale of her misfortunes following the melancholy musicians there filed into the garden as many as twelve duennas in two lines all dressed in ample mourning robes apparently of milled serge with hoods of fine white gauze so long that they allowed only the border of the robe to be seen behind them came the countess trifaldi the squire trifaldin of the white beard leading her by the hand clad in the finest unnapped black baize such that had it a nap every tuft would have shown as big as a marto's chickpea the tail or skirt or whatever it might be called ended in three points which were borne up by the hands of three pages likewise dressed in mourning forming an elegant geometrical figure with the three acute angles made by the three points from which all who saw the peaked skirt concluded that it must be because of it the countess was called trifaldi as though it were countess of the three skirts and benengeli says it was so and that by her right name she was called the countess lobuna because wolves bred in great numbers in her country and if instead of wolves they had been foxes she would have been called the countess zoruna as it was the custom in those parts for lords to take distinctive titles from the thing or things most abundant in their dominions this countess however in honour of the new fashion of her skirt dropped lobuna and took up trifaldi the twelve duennas and the lady came on at procession pace their faces being covered with black veils not transparent ones like trifaldin's but so close that they allowed nothing to be seen through them 
as soon as the band of duennas was fully in sight the duke the duchess and don quixote stood up as well as all who were watching the slow-moving procession the twelve duennas halted and formed a lane along which the distressed one advanced trifaldin still holding her hand on seeing this the duke the duchess and don quixote went some twelve paces forward to meet her she then kneeling on the ground said in a voice hoarse and rough rather than fine and delicate may it please your highnesses not to offer such courtesies to this your servant i should say to this your handmaid for i am in such distress that i shall never be able to make a proper return because my strange and unparalleled misfortune has carried off my wits and i know not whither but it must be a long way off for the more i look for them the less i find them he would be wanting in wits senora countess said the duke who did not perceive your worth by your person for at a glance it may be seen it deserves all the cream of courtesy and flower of polite usage and raising her up by the hand he led her to a seat beside the duchess who likewise received her with great urbanity don quixote remained silent while sancho was dying to see the features of trifaldi and one or two of her many duennas but there was no possibility of it until they themselves displayed them of their own accord and free will all kept still waiting to see who would break silence which the distressed duenna did in these words i am confident most mighty lord most fair lady and most discreet company that my most miserable misery will be accorded a reception no less dispassionate than generous and condolent in your most valiant bosoms for it is one that is enough to melt marble soften diamonds and mollify the steel of the most hardened hearts in the world but ere it is proclaimed to your hearing not to say your ears i would fain be enlightened whether there be present in this society circle or company that knight immaculatissimus don quixote de la manchissima in his squirissimus panza the panza is here said sancho before any one could reply and don quixotissimus too and so most distressedest duenissima you may say what you willissimus for we are all readissimus to do you any servissimus on this don quixote rose and addressing the distressed duenna said if your sorrows afflicted lady can indulge in any hope of relief from the valour or might of any knight-errant here are mine which feeble and limited though they be shall be entirely devoted to your service i am don quixote of la mancha whose calling it is to give aid to the needy of all sorts and that being so it is not necessary for you senora to make any appeal to benevolence or deal in preambles only to tell your woes plainly and straightforwardly for you have hearers that will know how if not to remedy them to sympathize with them on hearing this the distressed duenna made as though she would throw herself at don quixote's feet and actually did fall before them and said as she strove to embrace them before these feet and legs i cast myself o unconquered knight as before what they are the foundations and pillars of knight-errantry these feet i desire to kiss for upon their steps hangs and depends the sole remedy for my misfortune o valorous errant whose veritable achievements leave behind and eclipse the fabulous ones of the amadises esplandians and belianises then turning from don quixote to sancho panza and grasping his hands she said o thou most loyal squire that ever served knight-errant in this present age or ages past 
whose goodness is more extensive than the beard of trifaldin my companion here of present well mayest thou boast thyself that in serving the great don quixote thou art serving summed up in one the whole host of knights that have ever borne arms in the world i conjure thee by what thou owest to thy most loyal goodness that thou wilt become my kind intercessor with thy master that he speedily give aid to this most humble and most unfortunate countess to this sancho made answer as to my goodness senora being as long and as great as your squire's beard it matters very little to me may i have my soul well bearded and moustached when it comes to quit this life that's the point about beards here below i care little or nothing but without all these blandishments and prayers i will beg my master for i know he loves me and besides he has need of me just now for a certain business to help and aid your worship as far as he can unpack your woes and lay them before us and leave us to deal with them for we'll be all of one mind the duke and duchess as it was they who had made the experiment of this adventure were ready to burst with laughter at all this and between themselves they commended the clever acting of the trifaldi who returning to her seat said queen dona maguncia reigned over the famous kingdom of candi which lies between the great trapobana and the southern sea two leagues beyond cape comorin she was a widow of king archipiela her lord and husband and of their marriage they had issue the princess antonomasia heiress of the kingdom which princess antonomasia was reared and brought up under my care and direction i being the oldest and highest in rank of her mother's duennas time passed and the young antonomasia reached the age of fourteen and such a perfection of beauty that nature could not raise it higher then it must not be supposed her intelligence was childish she was as intelligent as she was fair and she was fairer than all the world and is so still unless the envious fates and hard-hearted sisters three have cut for her the thread of life but that they have not for heaven will not suffer so great a wrong to earth as it would be to pluck unripe the grapes of the fairest vineyard on its surface of this beauty to which my poor feeble tongue has failed to do justice countless princes not only of that country but of others were enamoured and among them a private gentleman who was at the court dared to raise his thoughts to the heaven of so great beauty trusting to his youth his gallant bearing his numerous accomplishments and graces and his quickness and readiness of wit for i may tell your highnesses if i am not wearying you that he played the guitar so as to make it speak and he was besides a poet and a great dancer and he could make bird cages so well that by making them alone he might have gained a livelihood had he found himself reduced to utter poverty and gifts and graces of this kind are enough to bring down a mountain not to say a tender young girl but all his gallantry wit and gaiety all his graces and accomplishments would have been of little or no avail towards gaining the fortress of my pupil had not the impudent thief taken the precaution of gaining me over first first the villain and heartless vagabond sought to win my good will and purchase my compliance so as to get me like a treacherous warder to deliver up to him the keys of the fortress i had in charge in a word he gained an influence over my mind and overcame my resolutions with i know not what trinkets and jewels he gave me but it was some verses i heard him singing one night from a grating that opened on the street where he lived that more than anything else made me give way and led to my fall and if i remember rightly they ran thus 
from that sweet enemy of mine my bleeding heart hath had its wound and to increase the pain i'm bound to suffer and to make no sign the lines seem pearls to me and his voice sweet as syrup and afterwards i may say ever since then looking at the misfortune into which i have fallen i have thought that poets as plato advised ought to be banished from all well-ordered states at least the amatory ones for they write verses not like those of the marquis of mantua that delight and draw tears from the women and children but sharp pointed conceits that pierce the heart like soft thorns and like the lightning strike it leaving the raiment uninjured another time he sang come death so subtly veiled that i thy coming know not how or when lest it should give me life again to find how sweet it is to die and other verses and burdens of the same sort such as enchant when sung and fascinate when written and then when they condescend to compose a sort of verse that was at that time in vogue in kandi which they call segedias then it is that hearts leap and laughter breaks forth and the body grows restless and all the senses turn quicksilver and so i say sirs that these troubadours richly deserve to be banished to the isles of the lizards though it is not they that are in fault but the simpletons that extol them and the fools that believe in them and had i been the faithful duenna i should have been his stale conceits would never have moved me nor should i have been taken in by such phrases as in death i live in ice i burn in flames i shiver hopeless i hope i go and stay and paradoxes of that sort which their writings are full of and then when they promise the phoenix of arabia the crown of ariadne the horses of the sun the pearls of the south the gold of tibar and the balsam of pankea then it is they give a loose to their pens for it costs them little to make promises they have no intention or power of fulfilling but where am i wandering to woe is me unfortunate being what madness or folly leads me to speak of the faults of others when there is so much to be said about my own again woe is me hapless that i am it was not verses that conquered me but my own simplicity it was not music made me yield but my own imprudence my own great ignorance and little caution opened the way and cleared the path for don clavijo's advances for that was the name of the gentleman i have referred to and so with my help as go-between he found his way many a time into the chamber of the deceived antonomasia deceived not by him but by me under the title of a lawful husband for sinner though i was would not have allowed him to approach the edge of her shoe-sole without being her husband no no not that marriage must come first in any business of this sort that i take in hand but there was one hitch in this case which was that of inequality of rank don clavijo being a private gentleman and the princess antonomasia as i said heiress to the kingdom the entanglement remained for some time a secret kept hidden by my cunning precautions until i perceived that a certain expansion of waste in antonomasia must before long disclose it the dread of which made us all there take counsel together and it was agreed that before the mischief came to light don clavijo should demand antonomasia as his wife before the vicar in virtue of an agreement to marry him made by the princess and drafted by my wit in such binding terms that the might of samson could not have broken it the necessary steps were taken the vicar saw the agreement and took the lady's confession she confessed everything in full 
and he ordered her into the custody of a very worthy alguacil of the court are there alguacils of the court in candy too said sancho at this and poets and seguidillas i swear i think the world is the same all over but make haste senora trifaldi for it is late and i am dying to know the end of this long story i will replied the countess end of volume two part two chapter thirty eight recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter thirty nine of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter thirty nine in which the trifaldi continues her marvellous and memorable story by every word that sancho uttered the duchess was as much delighted as don quixote was driven to desperation he bade him hold his tongue and the distressed one went on to say at length after much questioning and answering as the princess held to her story without changing or varying her previous declaration the vicar gave his decision in favour of don clavijo and she was delivered over to him as his lawful wife which the queen dona maguncia the princess antonomasia's mother so took to heart that within the space of three days we buried her she died no doubt said sancho of course said trifaldin they don't bury living people in candy only the dead senor squire said sancho a man in a swoon has been known to be buried before now in the belief that he was dead and it struck me that queen maguncia ought to have swooned rather than died because with life a great many things come right and the princess's folly was not so great that she need feel it so keenly if the lady had married some page of hers or some other servant of the house as many another has done so i have heard say then the mischief would have been past curing but to marry such an elegant accomplished gentleman as has been just now described to us indeed indeed though it was a folly it was not such a great one as you think for according to the rules of my master here and he won't allow me to lie as of men of letters bishops are made so of gentlemen knights especially if they be errant kings and emperors may be made thou art right sancho said don quixote for with a knight-errant if he has but two fingers breadth of good fortune it is on the cards to become the mightiest lord on earth but let senora the distressed one proceed for i suspect she has got yet to tell us the bitter part of this so far sweet story the bitter is indeed to come said the countess and such bitter that colocynth is sweet and oleander toothsome in comparison the queen then being dead and not in a swoon we buried her and hardly had we covered her with earth hardly had we said our last farewells when quistalia fando temperet a lacrimis over the queen's grave there appeared mounted upon a wooden horse the giant malambruno maguncia's first cousin who besides being cruel is an enchanter and he to revenge the death of his cousin punished the audacity of don clavijo and in wrath at the contumacy of antonomasia left them both enchanted by his art on the grave itself she being changed into an ape of brass and he into a horrible crocodile of some unknown metal while between the two there stands a pillar also of metal with certain characters in the syriac language inscribed upon it which being translated into candian 
and now into castilian contained the following sentence these two rash lovers shall not recover their former shape until the valiant manchegan comes to do battle with me in single combat for the fates reserve this unexampled adventure for his mighty valour alone this done he drew from its sheath a huge broad scimitar and seizing me by the hair he made as though he meant to cut my throat and shear my head clean off i was terror-stricken my voice stuck in my throat and i was in the deepest distress nevertheless i summoned up my strength as well as i could and in a trembling and piteous voice i addressed such words to him as induced him to stay the infliction of a punishment so severe he then caused all the duennas of the palace those that are here present to be brought before him and after having dwelt upon the enormity of our offence and denounced duennas their characters their evil ways and worse intrigues laying to the charge of all what i alone was guilty of he said he would not visit us with capital punishment but with others of a slow nature which would be in effect civil death for ever and the very instant he ceased speaking we all felt the pores of our faces opening and pricking us as if with the points of needles we at once put our hands up to our faces and found ourselves in the state you now see here the distressed one and the other duennas raised the veils with which they were covered and disclosed countenances all bristling with beards some red some black some white and some grizzled at which spectacle the duke and duchess made a show of being filled with wonder don quixote and sancho were overwhelmed with amazement and the bystanders lost in astonishment while the trifaldi went on to say thus did that malevolent villain malambruno punish us covering the tenderness and softness of our faces with these rough bristles would to heaven that he had swept off our heads with his enormous scimitar instead of obscuring the light of our countenances with these wool combings that cover us for if we look into the matter sirs and what i am now going to say i would say with eyes flowing like fountains only that the thought of our misfortune and the oceans they have already wept keep them as dry as barley spears and so i say it without tears where i ask can a duenna with a beard go to what father or mother will feel pity for her who will help her for even when she has a smooth skin and a face tortured by a thousand kinds of washes and cosmetics she can hardly get anybody to love her what will she do when she shows a countenance turned into a thicket oh duennas companions mine it was an unlucky moment when we were born in an ill-starred hour when our fathers begot us and as she said this she showed signs of being about to faint end of volume two part two chapter thirty nine recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter forty of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter forty of matters relating and belonging to this adventure and to this memorable history verily and truly all those who find pleasure in histories like this ought to show their gratitude to seed hamet its original author for the scrupulous care he has taken to set before us 
all its minute particulars not leaving anything however trifling it may be that he does not make clear and plain he portrays the thoughts he reveals the fancies he answers implied questions clears up doubts sets objections at rest and in a word makes plain the smallest points the most inquisitive can desire to know o oh, renowned author o oh, happy don quixote o oh, famous famous droll sancho all and each may ye live countless ages for the delight and amusement of the dwellers on earth the history goes on to say that when sancho saw the distressed one faint he exclaimed i swear by the faith of an honest man and the shades of all my ancestors the panzas that never i did see or hear of nor has my master related or conceived in his mind such an adventure as this a thousand devils not to curse thee take thee malambruno for an enchanter and a giant couldst thou find no other sort of punishment for these sinners but bearding them would it not have been better it would have been better for them to have taken off half their noses from the middle upwards even though they'd have snuffled when they spoke than to have put beards on them i'll bet they have not the means of paying anybody to shave them that is the truth senor said one of the twelve we have not the money to get ourselves shaved and so we have some of us taken to using sticking plasters by way of an economical remedy for by applying them to our faces and plucking them off with a jerk we are left as bare and smooth as the bottom of a stone mortar there are to be sure women in Kandy that go about from house to house to remove down and trim eyebrows and make cosmetics for the use of the women but we the duennas of my lady would never let them in for most of them have a flavour of agents that have ceased to be principals and if we are not relieved by senor don quixote we shall be carried to our graves with beards i will pluck out my own in the land of the moors said don quixote if i don't cure yours at this instant the trifaldi recovered from her swoon and said the chink of that promise valiant knight reached my ears in the midst of my swoon and has been the means of reviving me and bringing back my senses and so once more i implore you illustrious errant indomitable sir to let your gracious promises be turned into deeds there shall be no delay on my part said don quixote bethink you senora of what i must do for my heart is most eager to serve you the fact is replied the distressed one it is five thousand leagues a couple more or less from this to the kingdom of Kandy, if you go by land but if you go through the air and in a straight line it is three thousand two hundred and twenty seven you must know too that malambruno told me that whenever fate provided the knight our deliverer he himself would send a steed far better and with less tricks than a post-horse for he will be that same wooden horse on which the valiant pierres carried off the fair magalona which said horse is guided by a peg he has in his forehead that serves for a bridle and flies through the air with such rapidity that you would fancy the very devils were carrying him this horse according to ancient tradition was made by merlin he lent him to pierres who was a friend of his and who made long journeys with him and as has been said carried off the fair magalonia bearing her through the air on its haunches and making all who beheld them from the earth gape with astonishment and he never lent him save to those whom he loved or those who paid him well and since the great pierres we know of no one having mounted him until now from him malambruno stole him by his magic art and he has him now in his possession and makes use of him in his journeys which he constantly makes through different parts of the world 
he is here to-day to-morrow in france and the next day in potosi and the best of it is the said horse neither eats nor sleeps nor wears out shoes and goes at an ambling pace through the air without wings so that he whom he has mounted upon him can carry a cup full of water in his hand without spilling a drop so smoothly and easily does he go for which reason the fair magalona enjoyed riding him greatly for going smoothly and easily said sancho at this give me my dapple though he can't go through the air but on the ground i'll back him against all the amblers in the world they all laughed and the distressed one continued and this same horse if so be that malambruno is disposed to put an end to our sufferings will be here before us ere the night shall have advanced half an hour for he announced to me that the sign he would give me whereby i might know that i had found the knight i was in quest of would be to send me the horse wherever he might be speedily and promptly and how many is there room for on this horse asked sancho two said the distressed one one in the saddle and the other on the croup and generally these two are knight and squire when there is no damsel that's being carried off i'd like to know senora distressed one said sancho what is the name of this horse his name said the distressed one is not the same as bellerophon's horse that was called pegasus or alexander the great's called bucephalus or orlando furioso's the name of which was brigliador nor yet bayard the horse of reynaldos of montalvan nor frontino like ruggiero's nor botes or peritoa as they say the horses of the sun were called nor is he called aurelia like the horse on which the unfortunate rodrigo the last king of the goths rode to the battle where he lost his life and his kingdom i'll bet said sancho that as they have given him none of these famous names of well-known horses no more have they given him the name of my master's rocinante which for being apt surpasses all that have been mentioned that is true said the bearded countess still it fits him very well for he is called clavileno the swift which name is in accordance with his being made of wood with the peg he has in his forehead and with the swift pace at which he travels and so as far as name goes he may compare with the famous rocinante i have nothing to say against his name said sancho but with what sort of bridle or halter is he managed i have said already said the trifaldi that it is with a peg by turning which to one side or the other the knight who rides him makes him go as he pleases either through the upper air or skimming and almost sweeping the earth or else in that middle course that is sought and followed in all well-regulated proceedings i'd like to see him said sancho but to fancy i'm going to mount him either in the saddle or on the croup is to ask pears of the elm tree a good joke indeed i can hardly keep my seat upon dapple and on a packed saddle softer than silk itself in here they'd have me hold on upon haunches of plank without pad or cushion of any sort gad i have no notion of bruising myself to get rid of any one's beard let each one shave himself as best he can i'm not going to accompany my master on any such long journey besides i can't give any help to the shaving of these beards as i can to the disenchantment of my lady dulcinea yes you can my friend replied the trifaldi and so much that without you so i understand we shall be able to do nothing in the king's name exclaimed sancho what have squires got to do with the adventures of their masters are they to have the fame of such as they go through and we the labour body of me if the historians would only say such and such a knight finished such and such an adventure but with the help of so and so his squire without which it would have been impossible for him to accomplish it but they write curtly don paralipomenon of the three stars accomplished the adventure of the six monsters 
without mentioning such a person as his squire, who was there all the time, just as if there was no such being. Once more, sirs, I say my master may go alone, and much good may it do him, and I'll stay here in the company of my lady the duchess, and maybe when he comes back he will find the lady Dulcinea's affair ever so much advanced, for I mean in leisure hours and at idle moments to give myself a spell of whipping without so much as a hair to cover me. For all that you must go if it be necessary, my good Sancho, said the duchess, for they are worthy folk who ask you, and the faces of these ladies must not remain overgrown in this way because of your idle fears. That would be a very hard case indeed. In the king's name once more, said Sancho, if this charitable work were to be done for the sake of damsels in confinement or charity girls, a man might expose himself to some hardships. But to bear it for the sake of stripping beards off duennas? Devil take it! I'd sooner see them all bearded from the highest to the lowest, and from the most brutish to the most affected. You are very hard on duennas, Sancho, my friend, said the duchess. You incline very much to the opinion of the Toledo apothecary. But indeed you are wrong. There are duennas in my house that may serve as patterns of duennas, and here is my Doña Rodriguez, who will not allow me to say otherwise. Your Excellence may say it if you like, said the Rodriguez, for God knows the truth of everything, and whether we duennas are good or bad, bearded or smooth, we are our mother's daughters like other women, and as God sent us into the world, he knows why he did, and on his mercy I rely, and not on anybody's beard. Well, Senora Rodriguez, Senora Trifalde, and present company, said Don Quixote, I trust in heaven that it will look with kindly eyes upon your troubles for sancho will do as i bid him only let clavileno come and let me find myself face to face with malambruno and i am certain no razor will shave you more easily than my sword shall shave malambruno's head off his shoulders for god bears with the wicked but not for ever ah exclaimed the distressed one at this may all the stars of the celestial regions look down upon your greatness with benign eyes valiant knight and shed every prosperity and valour upon your heart, that it may be the shield and safeguard of the abused and downtrodden race of duennas, detested by apothecaries, sneered at by squires, and made game of by pages. Ill betide the jade that in the flower of her youth would not sooner become a nun than a duenna. Unfortunate beings that we are, we duennas, although we may be descended in the direct male line from Hector of Troy himself, our mistresses never fail to address us as you if they think it makes queens of them o oh, giant malambruno though thou art an enchanter thou art true to thy promises send us now the peerless clavileno that our misfortune may be brought to an end for if the hot weather sets in and these beards of ours are still there alas for our lot the trifaldi said this in such a pathetic way that she drew tears from the eyes of all and even sancho's filled up and he resolved in his heart to accompany his master to the uttermost ends of the earth, if so be the removal of the wool from those venerable countenances depended upon it. End of Volume 2, Part 2, Chapter 40 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine Volume 2, Part 2, Chapter 41 of the ingenious gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by John Ormsby, eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.
Volume Two, Part Two, Chapter Forty One, of the arrival of Clavileño and the end of this protracted adventure. And now night came, and with it the appointed time for the arrival of the famous horse Clavileño, the non-appearance of which was already beginning to make Don Quixote uneasy for it struck him that as malambruno was so long about sending it either he himself was not the knight for whom the adventure was reserved or else malambruno did not dare to meet him in single combat but lo suddenly there came into the garden four wild men all clad in green ivy bearing on their shoulders a great wooden horse they placed it on its feet on the ground and one of the wild men said let the knight who has heart for it mount this machine here Sancho exclaimed, I don't mount, for neither have I the heart, nor am I a knight. And let the squire, if he has one, continued the wild man, take his seat on the croup, and let him trust the valiant Malambruno, for by no sword save his, nor by the malice of any other, shall he be assailed. It is but to turn this peg the horse has in its neck, and he will bear them through the air to where Malambruno awaits them. But lest the vast elevation of their course should make them giddy, their eyes must be covered until the horse neighs, which will be the sign of their having completed their journey. With these words, leaving Clavileño behind them, they retired with easy dignity the way they came. As soon as the distressed one saw the horse, almost in tears she exclaimed to Don Quixote, Valiant knight, the promise of Malambruno has proved trustworthy. The horse has come, our beards are growing and by every hair in them all of us implore thee to shave and shear us as it is only mounting him with thy squire and making a happy beginning with your new journey that i will senora countess trifaldi said don quixote most gladly and with right good will without stopping to take a cushion or put on my spurs so as not to lose time such is my desire to see you and all these duennas shaved clean that i won't said sancho with good will or bad will or any way at all and if this shaving can't be done without my mounting on the croup my master had better look out for another squire to go with him and these ladies for some other way of making their faces smooth i'm no witch to have a taste for travelling through the air what would my islanders say when they heard their governor was going strolling about on the winds and another thing as it is three thousand and odd leagues from this to Kandy, if the horse tires or the giant takes huff will be half a dozen years getting back and there won't be isle or island in the world that will know me and so as it is a common saying in delay there's danger and when they offer thee a heifer run with a halter these ladies beards must excuse me st peter is very well in rome i mean i am very well in this house where there's so much is made of me and i hope for such a good thing from the master as to see myself a governor friend sancho said the duke at this the island that i have promised you is not a moving one or one that will run away it has roots so deeply buried in the bowels of the earth that it will be no easy matter to pluck it up or shift it from where it is you know as well as i do that there is no sort of office of any importance that is not obtained by a bribe of some kind great or small well then that which i look to receive for this government is that you go with your master don quixote and bring this memorable adventure to a conclusion and whether you return on clavileno as quickly as his speed seems to promise or adverse fortune brings you back on foot travelling as a pilgrim from hostel to hostel and from inn to inn you will always find your island on your return where you left it 
and your islanders with the same eagerness they have always had to receive you as their governor and my good will will remain the same doubt not the truth of this senor sancho for that would be grievously wronging my disposition to serve you say no more senor said sancho i am a poor squire and not equal to carrying so much courtesy let my master mount bandage my eyes and commit me to god's care and tell me if i may commend myself to our lord or call upon the angels to protect me when we go towering up there to this the trifaldi made answer sancho you may freely commend yourself to god or whom you will for malambruno though an enchanter is a christian and works his enchantments with great circumspection taking very good care not to fall out with any one well then said sancho god and the most holy trinity of gaeta give me help since the memorable adventure of the fulling mills said don quixote i have never seen sancho in such a fright as now were i as superstitious as others his abject fear would cause me some little trepidation of spirit but come here sancho for with the leave of these gentles i would say a word or two to thee in private and drawing sancho aside among the trees of the garden and seizing both his hands he said thou seest brother sancho the long journey we have before us and god knows when we shall return or what leisure or opportunities this business will allow us i wish thee therefore to retire now to thy chamber as though thou wert going to fetch something required for the road and in a trice give thyself if it be only five hundred lashes on account of the three thousand three hundred to which thou art bound it will be all to the good and to make a beginning with a thing is to have it half finished by god said sancho but your worship must be out of your senses this is like the common saying you see me with child and you want me a virgin just as i am about to go sitting on a bare board your worship would have me score my backside indeed your worship is not reasonable let us be off to shave these duennas and on our return i promise on my word to make such haste to wipe off all that's due as will satisfy your worship i can't say more well i will comfort myself with that promise my good sancho replied don quixote and i believe thou wilt keep it for indeed though stupid thou art voracious i'm not voracious said sancho only peckish but even if i was a little still i'd keep my word with this they went back to mount clavileno and as they were about to do so don quixote said cover thine eyes sancho and mount for one who sends for us from land so far distant cannot mean to deceive us for the sake of the paltry glory to be derived from deceiving persons who trust in him though all should turn out the contrary of what i hope no malice will be able to dim the glory of having undertaken this exploit let us be off senor said sancho for i have taken the beards and tears of these ladies deeply to heart and i shan't eat a bit to relish it until i have seen them restored to their former smoothness mount your worship and blindfold yourself for if i am to go on the croup it is plain the rider in the saddle must mount first that is true said don quixote and taking a handkerchief out of his pocket he begged the distressed one to bandage his eyes very carefully but after having them bandaged he uncovered them again saying if my memory does not deceive me i have read in virgil of the palladium of troy a wooden horse the greeks offered to the goddess pallas who was big with armed knights who were afterwards the destruction of troy so it would be as well to see first of all what clavileno has in his stomach there is no occasion said the distressed one i will be bail for him and i know that malambruno has nothing tricky or treacherous about him you may mount without any fear 
senor don quixote on my head be it if any harm befalls you don quixote thought that to say anything further with regard to his safety would be putting his courage in an unfavourable light and so without more words he mounted clavileno and tried the peg which turned easily and as he had no stirrups and his legs hung down he looked like nothing so much as a figure in some roman triumph painted or embroidered on a flemish tapestry much against the grain and very slowly sancho proceeded to mount and after settling himself as well as he could on the croup found it rather hard and not at all soft and asked the duke if it might be possible to oblige him with a pad of some kind or a cushion even if it were off the couch of his lady the duchess or the bed of one of the pages as the haunches of that horse were more like marble than wood on this the trifaldi observed that clavileno would not bear any kind of harness or trappings and that his best plan would be to sit sideways like a woman as in that way he would not feel the hardness so much sancho did so and bidding them farewell allowed his eyes to be bandaged but immediately afterwards uncovered them again and looking tenderly and tearfully on those in the garden bade them help him in his present strait with plenty of paternosters and ave marias that god might provide someone to say as many for them whenever they found themselves in a similar emergency at this don quixote exclaimed art thou on the gallows thief or at thy last moment to use pitiful entreaties of that sort cowardly spiritless creature art thou not in the very place the fair magdalonia occupied and from which she descended not into the grave but to become queen of france unless the histories lie and i who am here beside thee may i not put myself on a par with the valiant pierres who press this very spot that i now press cover thine eyes cover thine eyes abject animal and let not thy fear escape thy lips at least in my presence blindfold me said sancho as you won't let me commend myself or be commended to god is it any wonder if i am afraid there is a region of devils about here that will carry us off to peravillo they were then blindfolded and don quixote finding himself settled to his satisfaction felt for the peg and the instant he placed his fingers on it all the duennas and all who stood by lifted up their voices exclaiming god guide thee valiant knight god be with thee intrepid squire now now ye go cleaving the air more swiftly than an arrow now ye begin to amaze and astonish all who are gazing at you from the earth take care not to wobble about valiant sancho mind thou fall not for thy fall will be worse than that rash youth's who tried to steer the chariot of his father the sun as sancho heard the voices clinging tightly to his master and winding his arms round him he said senor how do they make out we are going up so high if their voices reach us here and they seem to be speaking quite close to us don't mind that sancho said don quixote for as affairs of this sort and flights like this are out of the common course of things you can see and hear as much as you like a thousand leagues off but don't squeeze me so tight or thou wilt upset me and really i know not what thou hast to be uneasy or frightened at for i can safely swear i never mounted a smoother going steed all the days of my life one would fancy we never stirred from one place banish fear my friend for indeed everything is going as it ought and we have the wind astern that's true said sancho for such a strong wind comes against me on this side that it seems as if people were blowing on me with a thousand pair of bellows which was the case they were puffing at him with a great pair of bellows for the whole adventure was so well planned by the duke the duchess and their majordomo 
that nothing was omitted to make it perfectly successful don quixote now feeling the blast said beyond a doubt sancho we must have already reached the second region of the air where the hail and snow are generated the thunder the lightning and the thunderbolts are engendered in the third region and if we go on ascending at this rate we shall shortly plunge into the region of fire and i know not how to regulate this peg so as not to mount up where we shall be burned and now they began to warm their faces from a distance with tow that could be easily set on fire and extinguished again fixed on the end of a cane on feeling the heat sancho said may i die if we are not already in that fireplace or very near it for a good part of my beard has been singed and i have a mind senor to uncover and see whereabouts we are do nothing of the kind said don quixote remember the true story of the licentiate toralva that the devils carried flying through the air riding on a stick with his eyes shut who in twelve hours reached rome and dismounted at torre di nona which is a street of the city and saw the whole sack and storming and the death of bourbon and was back in madrid the next morning where he gave an account of all he had seen and he said moreover that as he was going through the air the devil bade him open his eyes and he did so and saw himself so near the body of the moon so it seemed to him that he could have laid hold of it with his hand and that he did not dare to look at the earth lest he should be seized with giddiness so that sancho it will not do for us to uncover ourselves for he who has us in charge will be responsible for us and perhaps we are gaining in altitude and mounting up to enable us to descend at one swoop on the kingdom of Kandy, as the saker or falcon does on the heron so as to seize it however high it may soar and though it seems to us not half an hour since we left the garden believe me we must have travelled a great distance i don't know how that may be said sancho all i know is that if the senora magalanes or magalonia was satisfied with this croup she could not have been very tender of flesh the duke the duchess and all in the garden were listening to the conversation of the two heroes and were beyond measure amused by it and now desirous of putting a finishing touch to this rare and well-contrived adventure they applied a light to clavileno's tail with some toe and the horse being full of squibs and crackers immediately blew up with a prodigious noise and brought don quixote and sancho panza to the ground half singed by this time the bearded band of duennas the trifaldi and all had vanished from the garden and those that remained lay stretched on the ground as if in a swoon don quixote and sancho got up rather shaken and looking about them were filled with amazement at finding themselves in the same garden from which they had started and seeing such a number of people stretched on the ground and their astonishment was increased when at one side of the garden they perceived a tall lance planted in the ground and hanging from it by two cords of green silk a smooth white parchment on which there was the following inscription in large gold letters the illustrious knight don quixote of la mancha has by merely attempting it finished and concluded the adventure of the countess trifaldi otherwise called the distressed duenna malambruno is now satisfied on every point the chins of the duennas are now smooth and clean and king don clavijo and queen antonomasia in their original form and when the squirely flagellation shall have been completed the white dove shall find herself delivered from the pestiferous gerfalcons that persecute her and in the arms of her beloved mate for such is the decree of the sage merlin arch enchanter of enchanters as soon as don quixote had read the inscription on the parchment he perceived clearly that it referred to the disenchantment of dulcinea 
and returning hearty thanks to heaven that he had with so little danger achieved so grand an exploit as to restore to their former complexion the countenances of those venerable duennas he advanced towards the duke and duchess who had not yet come to themselves and taking the duke by the hand he said be of good cheer worthy sir be of good cheer it's nothing at all the adventure is now over and without any harm done as the inscription fixed on this post shows plainly the duke came to himself slowly and like one recovering consciousness after a heavy sleep and the duchess and all who had fallen prostrate about the garden did the same with such demonstrations of wonder and amazement that they would have almost persuaded one that what they pretended so adroitly in jest had happened to them in reality the duke read the placard with half-shut eyes and then ran to embrace don quixote with open arms declaring him to be the best knight that had ever been seen in any age sancho kept looking about for the distressed one to see what her face was like without the beard and if she was as fair as her elegant person promised but they told him that the instant clavileno descended flaming through the air and came to the ground the whole band of duennas with the trifaldi vanished and that they were already shaved and without a stump left the duchess asked sancho how he had fared on that long journey to which sancho replied i felt senora that we were flying through the region of fire as my master told me and i wanted to uncover my eyes for a bit but my master when i asked leave to uncover myself would not let me but as i have a little bit of curiosity about me and a desire to know what is forbidden and kept from me quietly and without any one seeing me i drew aside the handkerchief covering my eyes ever so little close to my nose and from underneath looked towards the earth and it seemed to me that it was altogether no bigger than a grain of mustard seed and that the men walking on it were little bigger than hazelnuts so you may see how high we must have got to then to this the duchess said sancho my friend mind what you are saying it seems you could not have seen the earth but only the men walking on it for if the earth looked to you like a grain of mustard seed and each man like a hazelnut one man alone would have covered the whole earth that is true said sancho but for all that i got a glimpse of a bit of one side of it and saw it all take care sancho said the duchess with a bit of one side one does not see the whole of what one looks at i don't understand that way of looking at things said sancho i only know that your ladyship will do well to bear in mind that as we were flying by enchantment so i might have seen the whole earth and all the men by enchantment whatever way i looked and if you won't believe this no more will you believe that uncovering myself nearly to the eyebrows i saw myself so close to the sky that there was not a palm and a half between me and it and by everything that i can swear by senora it is mighty great and it so happened we came by where the seven goats are and by god and upon my soul as in my youth i was a goat herd in my own country as soon as i saw them i felt a longing to be among them for a little and if i had not given way to it i think i'd have burst so i come and take and what do i do without saying anything to anybody not even to my master softly and quietly i got down from clavileno and amused myself with the goats which are like violets like flowers for nigh three-quarters of an hour and clavileno never stirred or moved from one spot and while the good sancho was amusing himself with the goats said the duke how did senor don quixote amuse himself to which don quixote replied as all these things and such like occurrences are out of the ordinary course of nature it is no wonder that sancho says what he does for my own part i can only say that i did not uncover my eyes either above or below nor did i see sky or earth or sea or shore 
It is true I felt that I was passing through the region of the air, and even that I touched that of fire, but that we pass farther I cannot believe, for the region of fire being between the heaven of the moon and the last region of the air, we could not have reached that heaven where the seven goats Sancho speaks of are without being burned, and as we were not burned, either Sancho is lying or Sancho is dreaming. I am neither lying nor dreaming, said Sancho, only ask me the tokens of those same goats and you'll see by that whether I'm telling the truth or not tell us them then sancho said the duchess two of them said sancho are green two blood-red two blue and one a mixture of all colours an odd sort of goat that said the duke in this earthly region of ours we have no such colours i mean goats of such colours that's very plain said sancho of course there must be a difference between the goats of heaven and the goats of the earth tell me sancho said the duke did you see any he-goat among those goats no senor said sancho but I have heard say that none ever passed the horns of the moon. They did not care to ask him anything more about his journey, for they saw he was in the vein to go rambling all over the heavens, giving an account of everything that went on there, without having ever stirred from the garden. Such, in short, was the end of the adventure of the distressed duenna, which gave the duke and duchess laughing matter not only for the time being, but for all their lives, and Sancho something to talk about for ages if he lived so long but don quixote coming close to his ear said to him sancho as you would have us believe what you saw in heaven i require you to believe me as to what i saw in the cave of montesinos i say no more end of volume two part two chapter forty one recording by expatriate in bangor maine Volume Two, Part Two, Chapter Forty Two, of the Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha, by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by John Ormsby, eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Volume Two, Part Two, Chapter Forty Two of the counsels which don quixote gave sancho panza before he set out to govern the island together with other well-considered matters the duke and duchess were so well pleased with the successful and droll result of the adventure of the distressed one that they resolved to carry on the joke seeing what a fit subject they had to deal with for making it all pass for reality so having laid their plans and given instructions to their servants and vassals how to behave to sancho in his government of the promised island the next day that following clavileno's flight the duke told sancho to prepare and get ready to go and be governor for his islanders were already looking out for him as for the showers of may sancho made him an obeisance and said ever since i came down from heaven and from the top of it beheld the earth and saw how little it is the great desire i had to be a governor has been partly cooled in me for what is there grand in being ruler on a grain of mustard seed or what dignity or authority in governing half a dozen men about as big as hazelnuts for so far as i could see there were no more on the whole earth if your lordship would be so good as to give me ever so small a bit of heaven were it no more than half a league i'd rather have it than the best island in the world recollect sancho said the duke i cannot give a bit of heaven not so much as the breadth of my nail to any one rewards and favours of that sort are reserved for god alone what i can give i give you and that is a real genuine island compact well proportioned and uncommonly fertile and fruitful 
where if you know how to use your opportunities you may with the help of the world's riches gain those of heaven well then said sancho let the island come and i'll try and be such a governor that in spite of scoundrels i'll go to heaven and it's not from any craving to quit my own humble condition or better myself but from the desire i have to try what it tastes like to be a governor if you once make a trial of it sancho said the duke you'll eat your fingers off after the government so sweet a thing is it to command and be obeyed depend upon it when your master comes to be emperor as he will beyond a doubt from the course his affairs are taking it will be no easy matter to wrest the dignity from him and he will be sore and sorry at heart to have been so long without becoming one senor said sancho it is my belief it's a good thing to be in command if it's only over a drove of cattle may i be buried with you sancho said the duke but you know everything i hope you will make as good a governor as your sagacity promises and that is all i have to say and now remember to-morrow is the day you must set out for the government of the island and this evening they will provide you with the proper attire for you to wear and all things requisite for your departure let them dress me as they like said sancho however i'm dressed i'll be sancho panza that's true said the duke but one's dress must be suited to the office or rank one holds for it would not do for a jurist to dress like a soldier or a soldier like a priest you sancho shall go partly as a lawyer partly as a captain for in the island i am giving you arms are needed as much as letters and letters as much as arms of letters i know but little said sancho for i don't even know the a b c but it is enough for me to have the christus in my memory to be a good governor as for arms i'll handle those they give me till i drop and then god be my help with so good a memory said the duke sancho cannot go wrong in anything here don quixote joined them and learning what passed and how soon sancho was to go to his government he with the duke's permission took him by the hand and retired to his room with him for the purpose of giving him advice as to how he was to demean himself in his office as soon as they had entered the chamber he closed the door after him and almost by force made sancho sit down beside him and in a quiet tone thus addressed him i give infinite thanks to heaven friend sancho that before i have met with any good luck fortune has come forward to meet thee i who counted upon my good fortune to discharge the recompense of thy services find myself still waiting for advancement while thou before the time and contrary to all reasonable expectation seest thyself blessed in the fulfilment of thy desires some will bribe beg solicit rise early entreat persist without attaining the object of their suit while another comes and without knowing why or wherefore finds himself invested with the place or office so many have sued for and here it is that the common saying there is good luck as well as bad luck in suits applies thou who to my thinking art beyond all doubt a dullard without early rising or night watching or taking any trouble with the mere breath of night errantry that is breathed upon thee seest thyself without more ado governor of an island as though it were a mere matter of course this i say sancho that thou attribute not the favour thou hast received to thine own merits but give thanks to heaven that disposes matters beneficently and secondly thanks to the great power the profession of knight errantry contains in itself with a heart then inclined to believe what i have said to thee attend my son to thy cato here who would counsel thee and be thy pole-star and guide to direct and pilot thee to a safe haven out of this stormy sea wherein thou art about to engulf thyself 
for offices and great trusts are nothing else but a mighty gulf of troubles first of all my son thou must fear god for in the fear of him is wisdom and being wise thou canst not err in aught secondly thou must keep in view what thou art striving to know thyself the most difficult thing to know that the mind can imagine if thou knowest thyself it will follow thou wilt not puff thyself up like the frog that strove to make himself as large as the ox if thou dost the recollection of having kept pigs in thine own country will serve as the ugly feet for the wheel of thy folly that's the truth said sancho but that was when i was a boy afterwards when i was something more of a man it was geese i kept not pigs but to my thinking that has nothing to do with it for all who are governors don't come of a kingly stock true said don quixote and for that reason those who are not of noble origin should take care that the dignity of the office they hold be accompanied by a gentle suavity which wisely managed will save them from the sneers of malice that no station escapes glory in thy humble birth sancho and be not ashamed of saying thou art peasant born for when it is seen thou art not ashamed no one will set himself to put thee to the blush and pride thyself rather upon being one of lowly virtue than a lofty sinner countless are they who born of mean parentage have risen to the highest dignities pontifical and imperial and of the truth of this i could give thee instances enough to weary thee remember sancho if thou make virtue thy aim and take a pride in doing virtuous actions thou wilt have no cause to envy those who have princely and lordly ones for blood is an inheritance but virtue an acquisition and virtue has in itself alone a worth that blood does not possess this being so if perchance any one of thy kinsfolk should come to see thee when thou art in thine island thou art not to repel or slight him but on the contrary to welcome him entertain him and make much of him for in so doing thou wilt be approved of heaven which is not pleased that any should despise what it hath made and wilt comply with the laws of well-ordered nature if thou carriest thy wife with thee and it is not well for those that administer governments to be long without their wives teach and instruct her and strive to smooth down her natural roughness for all that may be gained by a wise governor may be lost and wasted by a boorish stupid wife if perchance thou art left a widower a thing which may happen and in virtue of thy office seekest a consort of higher degree choose not one to serve thee for a hook or for a fishing-rod or for the hood of thy won't have it for verily i tell thee for all the judge's wife receives the husband will be held accountable at the general calling to account where he will have repay in death fourfold items that in life he regarded as naught never go by arbitrary law which is so much favoured by ignorant men who plume themselves on cleverness let the tears of the poor man find thee with more compassion but not more justice than the pleadings of the rich strive to lay bare the truth as well amid the promises and presence of the rich man as amid the sobs and entreaties of the poor when equity may and should be brought into play press not the utmost rigour of the law against the guilty for the reputation of the stern judge stands not higher than that of the compassionate if perchance thou permittest the staff of justice to swerve let it be not by the weight of a gift but by that of mercy if it should happen to thee to give judgment in the cause of one who is thine enemy turn thy thoughts away from thy injury and fix them on the justice of the case let not thine own passion blind thee in another man's cause 
for the errors thou wilt thus commit will be most frequently irremediable or if not only to be remedied at the expense of thy good name and even of thy fortune if any handsome woman come to seek justice of thee turn away thine eyes from her tears and thine ears from her lamentations and consider deliberately the merits of her demand if thou wouldst not have thy reason swept away by her weeping and thy rectitude by her sighs abuse not by word him whom thou hast to punish indeed for the pain of punishment is enough for the unfortunate without the addition of thine objurgations bear in mind that the culprit who comes under thy jurisdiction is but a miserable man subject to all the propensities of our depraved nature and so far as may be in thy power show thyself lenient and forbearing for though the attributes of god are all equal to our eyes that of mercy is brighter and loftier than that of justice if thou followest these precepts and rules sancho thy days will be long thy fame eternal thy reward abundant thy felicity unutterable thou wilt marry thy children as thou wouldst they and thy grandchildren will bear titles thou wilt live in peace and concord with all men and when life draws to a close death will come to thee in calm and ripe old age and the light and loving hands of thy great-grandchildren will close thine eyes what i have thus far addressed to thee are instructions for the adornment of thy mind listen now to those which tend to that of the body end of volume two part two chapter forty two recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter forty three of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter forty three of the second set of counsels don quixote gave sancho panza who hearing the foregoing discourse of don quixote would not have set him down for a person of great good sense and greater rectitude of purpose but as has been frequently observed in the course of this great history he only talked nonsense when he touched on chivalry and in discussing all other subjects showed that he had a clear and unbiased understanding so that at every turn his acts gave the lie to his intellect and his intellect to his acts but in the case of these second counsels that he gave sancho he showed himself to have a lively turn of humour and displayed conspicuously his wisdom and also his folly sancho listened to him with the deepest attention and endeavoured to fix his counsels in his memory like one who meant to follow them and by their means bring the full promise of his government to a happy issue don quixote then went on to say with regard to the mode in which thou shouldst govern thy person and thy house sancho the first charge i have to give thee is to be clean and to cut thy nails not letting them grow as some do whose ignorance makes them fancy that long nails are an ornament to their hands as if those excrescences they neglect to cut were nails and not the talons of a lizard catching kestrel a filthy and unnatural abuse go not ungirt and loose sancho for disordered attire is a sign of an unstable mind unless indeed the slovenliness and slackness is to be set down to craft as was the common opinion in the case of julius caesar ascertain cautiously what thy office may be worth 
and if it will allow thee to give liveries to thy servants give them respectable and serviceable rather than showy and gay ones and divide them between thy servants and the poor that is to say if thou canst clothe six pages clothe three and three poor men and thus thou wilt have pages for heaven and pages for earth the vainglorious never think of this new mode of giving liveries eat not garlic nor onions lest they find out thy boorish origin by the smell walk slowly and speak deliberately but not in such a way as to make it seem thou art listening to thyself for all affectation is bad dine sparingly and sup more sparingly still for the health of the whole body is forged in the workshop of the stomach be temperate in drinking bearing in mind that wine in excess keeps neither secrets nor promises take care sancho not to chew on both sides and not to erupt in anybody's presence erupt said sancho i don't know what that means to erupt sancho said don quixote means to belch and that is one of the filthiest words in the spanish language though a very expressive one and therefore nice folk have had recourse to the latin and instead of belch say erupt and instead of belches say eructations and if some do not understand these terms it matters little for custom will bring them into use in the course of time so that they will be readily understood this is the way a language is enriched custom and the public are all powerful there in truth senor said sancho one of the counsels and cautions i mean to bear in mind shall be this not to belch for i am constantly doing it erupt sancho not belch said don quixote erupt i shall say henceforth and i swear not to forget it said sancho likewise sancho said don quixote thou must not mingle such a quantity of proverbs in thy discourse as thou dost for though proverbs are short maxims thou dost drag them in so often by the head and shoulders that they savour more of nonsense than of maxims god alone can cure that said sancho for i have more proverbs in me than a book and when i speak they come so thick together into my mouth that they fall to fighting among themselves to get out that's why my tongue lets fly the first that come though they may not be pat to the purpose but i'll take care henceforward to use such as befit the dignity of my office for in a house where there's plenty supper is soon cooked and he who binds does not wrangle and the bell-ringers in a safe berth and giving and keeping require brains that's it sancho said don quixote pack tack string proverbs together nobody is hindering thee my mother beats me and i go on with my tricks i am bidding thee avoid proverbs and here in a second thou hast shot out a whole litany of them which have as much to do with what we are talking about as over the hills of ubeda mind sancho i do not say that a proverb aptly brought in is objectionable but to pile up and string together proverbs at random makes conversation dull and vulgar when thou ridest on horseback do not go lolling with thy body on the back of the saddle nor carry thy legs stiff or sticking out from the horse's belly nor yet sit so loosely that one would suppose thou wert on dapple for the seat on a horse makes gentlemen of some and grooms of others be moderate in thy sleep for he who does not rise early does not get the benefit of the day and remember sancho diligence is the mother of good fortune and indolence its opposite never yet attained the object of an honest ambition the last counsel i will give thee now though it does not tend to bodily improvement i would have thee carry carefully in thy memory for i believe it will be no less useful to thee than those i have given thee already 
and it is this never engage in a dispute about families at least in the way of comparing them one with another for necessarily one of those compared will be better than the other and thou wilt be hated by the one thou hast disparaged and get nothing in any shape from the one thou hast exalted thy attire shall be hose of full length a long jerkin and a cloak a trifle longer loose breeches by no means for they are becoming neither for gentlemen nor for governors for the present sancho this is all that has occurred to me to advise thee as time goes by and occasions arise my instructions shall follow if thou take care to let me know how thou art circumstanced senor said sancho i see well enough that all these things your worship has said to me are good holy and profitable but what use will they be to me if i don't remember one of them to be sure that about not letting my nails grow and marrying again if i have the chance will not slip out of my head but all that other hash muddle and jumble i don't and can't recollect any more of it than of last year's clouds so it must be given me in writing for though i can't either read or write i'll give it to my confessor to drive it into me and remind me of it whenever it is necessary ah sinner that i am said don quixote how bad it looks in governors not to know how to read or write for let me tell thee sancho when a man knows not how to read or is left-handed it argues one of two things either that he was the son of exceedingly mean and lowly parents or that he himself was so incorrigible and ill-conditioned that neither good company nor good teaching could make any impression on him it is a great defect that thou laborest under and therefore i would have thee learn at any rate to sign thy name i can sign my name well enough said sancho for when i was steward of the brotherhood in my village i learned to make certain letters like the marks on bales of goods which they told me made out my name besides i can promise my good hand is disabled and make someone else sign for me for there's a remedy for everything except death and as i shall be in command and hold a staff i can do as i like moreover he who has the alcalde for his father and i'll be governor and that's higher than alcalde only come and see let them make light of me and abuse me they'll come for wool and go back shorn whom god loves his house is known to him the silly sayings of the rich pass for saws in the world and as i'll be rich being a governor and at the same time generous as i mean to be no fault will be seen in me only make yourself honey and the flies will suck you as much as thou hast so much art thou worth as my grandmother used to say and thou canst have no revenge of a man of substance oh god's curse upon thee sancho here exclaimed don quixote sixty thousand devils fly away with thee and thy proverbs for the last hour thou hast been stringing them together and inflicting the pangs of torture on me with every one of them those proverbs will bring thee to the gallows one day i promise thee thy subjects will take the government from thee or there will be revolts among them tell me where dost thou pick them up thou booby how dost thou apply them thou blockhead for with me to utter one and make it apply properly i have to sweat and labour as if i were digging by god master mine said sancho your worship is making a fuss about very little why the devil should you be vexed if i make use of what is my own and i have got nothing else nor any other stock in trade except proverbs and more proverbs and here are three just this instant come into my head pat to the purpose and like pears in a basket but i won't repeat them for sage silence is called sancho that sancho thou art not said don quixote for not only art thou not sage silence but thou art pestilent prate and perversity 
Still, I would like to know what three proverbs have just now come into thy memory, for I have been turning over mine own, and it is a good one, and none occurs to me. What can be better, said Sancho, than never put thy thumbs between two back teeth, and to get out of my house, and what do you want with my wife? There is no answer, and whether the pitcher hits the stove or the stove the pitcher is a bad business for the pitcher, all which fit to a hair, for no one should quarrel with his governor or him in authority over him, because he will come off the worst, as he does who puts his finger between two back, and if they are not back teeth it makes no difference so long as they are teeth and to whatever the governor may say there's no answer any more than to get out of my house and what do you want with my wife and then as for that about the stone in the pitcher a blind man could see that so that he who sees the mote in another's eye had need to see the beam in his own that it be not said of himself the dead woman was frightened at the one with her throat cut and her worship knows well that the fool knows more in his own house than the wise man in another's nay sancho said don quixote the fool knows nothing either in his own house or in anybody else's for no wise structure of any sort can stand on a foundation of folly but let us say no more about it sancho for if thou governest badly thine will be the fault and mine the shame but i comfort myself with having done my duty in advising thee as earnestly and as wisely as i could and thus i am released from my obligations and my promise god guide thee sancho and govern thee in thy government, and deliver me from the misgiving I have, that thou wilt turn the whole island upside down, a thing I might easily prevent by explaining to the duke what thou art, and telling him that all that fat little person of thine is nothing else but a sackful of proverbs and sauciness. Senor, said Sancho, if your worship thinks I'm not fit for this government, I give it up on the spot, for the mere black of the nail of my soul is dearer to me than my whole body and i can live just as well simple sancho on bread and onions as governor on partridges and capons and what's more while we're asleep we're all equal great and small rich and poor but if your worship looks into it you will see it was your worship alone that put me on to this business of governing for i know no more about the government of islands than a buzzard and if there's any reason to think that because of my being a governor the devil will get hold of me i'd rather go sancho to heaven than governor to hell by god sancho said don quixote for those last words thou hast uttered alone i consider thou deservest to be governor of a thousand islands thou hast good natural instincts without which no knowledge is worth anything commend thyself to god and try not to swerve in the pursuit of thy main object i mean always make it thy aim and fixed purpose to do right in all matters that come before thee for heaven always helps good intentions and now let us go to dinner for I think my lord and lady are waiting for us. End of Volume 2, Part 2, Chapter 43 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine Volume 2, Part 2, Chapter 44 Of the Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha By Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra Translated by John Ormsby, 1829-1895. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Volume 2, Part 2, Chapter 44. How Sancho Panza was conducted to his government, and of the strange adventure that befell Don Quixote in the castle. It is stated, they say, in the true original of this history, 
that when Seed Hamet came to write this chapter, his interpreter did not translate it as he wrote it, that is, as a kind of complaint the more made against himself for having taken in hand a story so dry and of so little variety as this of Don Quixote, for he found himself forced to speak perpetually of him and Sancho without venturing to indulge in digressions and episodes more serious and more interesting. He said, too, that to go on, mind, hand, pen, always restricted to writing upon one single subject, and speaking through the mouths of the few characters, was intolerable drudgery, the result of which was never equal to the author's labor, and that to avoid this, he had in the first part availed himself of the device of novels, like the ill-advised curiosity and the captive captain, which stand, as it were, apart from the story. The others are given there, being incidents which occurred to Don Quixote himself and could not be omitted. He also thought, he says, that many, engrossed by the interest attaching to the exploits of Don Quixote, would take none in the novels, and pass them over hastily or impatiently, without noticing the elegance and art of their composition, which would be very manifest were they published by themselves, and not as mere adjuncts to the crazes of Don Quixote or the simplicities of Sancho. Therefore, in this second part, he thought it best not to insert novels, either separate or interwoven, but only episodes, something like them, arising out of the circumstances the facts present, and even these sparingly, and with no more words than suffice to make them plain. And as he confines and restricts himself to the narrow limits of the narrative, though he has ability, capacity, and brains enough to deal with the whole universe, he requests that his labors may not be despised and that credit be given him not alone for what he writes, but for what he has refrained from writing. And so he goes on with his story, saying that the day Don Quixote gave the counsels to Sancho, the same afternoon after dinner he handed them to him in writing, so that he might get someone to read them to him. They had scarcely, however, been given to him when he let them drop, and they fell into the hands of the duke, who showed them to the duchess, and they were both amazed afresh at the madness and wit of Don Quixote. To carry on the joke, then, the same evening they dispatched Sancho with a large following to the village that was to serve him for an island. It happened that the person who had him in charge was a majordomo of the dukes, a man of great discretion and humour, and there can be no humour without discretion, and the same who played the part of the Countess Trifaldi in the comical way that has been already described. And thus qualified and instructed by his master and mistress as to how to deal with Sancho, he carried out their scheme admirably. Now it came to pass that as soon as Sancho saw this majordomo, he seemed in his features to recognize those of the Trifaldi, and turning to his master he said to him, Senor, either the devil will carry me off here on this spot, righteous and believing, or your worship will own to me that the face of this majordomo of the dukes here is the very face of the distressed one. Don Quixote regarded the majordomo attentively, and having done so said to sancho there is no reason why the devil should carry thee off sancho either righteous or believing and what thou meanest by that i know not the face of the distressed one is that of the majordomo but for all that the majordomo is not the distressed one for his being so would involve a mighty contradiction but this is not the time for going into questions of the sort which would be involving ourselves in an inextricable labyrinth believe me my friend we must pray earnestly to our lord that he deliver us both from wicked wizards and enchanters it is no joke senor said sancho for before this i heard him speak 
and it seemed exactly as if the voice of the Trifaldi was sounding in my ears. Well, I'll hold my peace, but I'll take care to be on the lookout henceforth for any sign that may be seen to confirm or do away with this suspicion. Thou wilt do well, Sancho, said Don Quixote, and thou wilt let me know all thou discoverest and all that befalls thee in thy government. Sancho at last set out, attended by a great number of people. He was dressed in the garb of a lawyer, with a gabon of tawny watered camlet over all, and a montera cap of the same material, and mounted a la jineta upon a mule. Behind him, in accordance with the duke's orders, followed Dapple, with brand-new ass trappings and ornaments of silk, and from time to time Sancho turned round to look at his ass, so well pleased to have him with him that he would not have changed places with the Emperor of Germany. On taking leave he kissed the hands of the Duke and Duchess, and got his master's blessing, which Don Quixote gave him with tears, and he received blubbering. Let worthy Sancho go in peace, and good luck to him, gentle reader, and look out for two bushels of laughter, which the account of how he behaved himself in office will give thee. In the meantime, turn thy attention to what happened his master the same night, and if thou dost not laugh thereat, at any rate thou wilt stretch thy mouth with a grin, for Don Quixote's adventures must be honoured either with wonder or with laughter. It is recorded, then, that as soon as Sancho had gone, Don Quixote felt his loneliness, and had it been possible for him to revoke the mandate and take away the government from him, he would have done so. The Duchess observed his dejection, and asked him why he was melancholy, because, she said, if it was for the loss of Sancho, there were squires, duennas, and damsels in her house who would wait upon him to his full satisfaction. The truth is, senora, replied Don Quixote, that I do feel the loss of Sancho, but that is not the main cause of my looking sad, and of all the offers your excellence makes me, I accept only the good will with which they are made, and as to the remainder I entreat of your excellence to permit and allow me alone to wait upon myself in my chamber. Indeed, Señor Don Quixote, said the Duchess, that must not be. Four of my damsels, as beautiful as flowers, shall wait upon you. To me, said Don Quixote, they will not be flowers, but thorns to pierce my heart. They, or anything like them, shall as soon enter my chamber as fly. If your highness wishes to gratify me still further, though I deserve it not, permit me to please myself and wait upon myself in my own room for i place a barrier between my inclinations and my virtue and i do not wish to break this rule through the generosity your highness is disposed to display towards me and in short i will sleep in my clothes sooner than allow any one to undress me say no more senor don quixote say no more said the duchess i assure you i will give orders that not even a fly not to say a damsel shall enter your room i am not the one to undermine the propriety of senor don quixote for it strikes me that among his many virtues the one that is preeminent is that of modesty your worship may undress and dress in private and in your own way as you please and when you please for there will be no one to hinder you and in your chamber you will find all the utensils requisite to supply the wants of one who sleeps with his door locked to the end that no natural needs compel you to open it may the great dulcinea del toboso live a thousand years and may her fame extend all over the surface of the globe, for she deserves to be loved by a knight so valiant and so virtuous. And may kind heaven infuse zeal into the heart of our governor Sancho Panza to finish off his discipline speedily, 
so that the world may once more enjoy the beauty of so grand a lady to which don quixote replied your highness has spoken like what you are from the mouth of a noble lady nothing bad can come and dulcinea will be more fortunate and better known to the world by the praise of your highness than by all the eulogies the greatest orators on earth could bestow upon her well well senor don quixote said the duchess it is nearly supper-time and the duke is probably waiting come let us go to supper and retire to rest early for the journey you made yesterday from Kandy was not such a short one but that it must have caused you some fatigue i feel none senora said don quixote for i would go so far as to swear to your excellence that in all my life i never mounted a quieter beast or a pleasanter paced one than clavileno and i don't know what could have induced malambruno to discard a steed so swift and so gentle and burn it so recklessly as he did probably said the duchess repenting of the evil he had done to the trifaldi and company and others and the crimes he must have committed as a wizard and enchanter he resolved to make away with all the instruments of his craft and so burn clavileno as the chief one and that which mainly kept him restless wandering from land to land and by its ashes and the trophy of the placard the valour of the great don quixote of la mancha is established for ever don quixote renewed his thanks to the duchess and having supped retired to his chamber alone refusing to allow any one to enter with him to wait on him such was his fear of encountering temptations that might lead or drive him to forget his chaste fidelity to his lady dulcinea for he had always present to his mind the virtue of amadis that flower and mirror of knights errant he locked the door behind him and by the light of two wax candles undressed himself but as he was taking off his stockings oh disaster unworthy of such a personage there came a burst not of sighs or anything belying his delicacy or good breeding but of some two dozen stitches in one of his stockings that made it look like a window lattice the worthy gentleman was beyond measure distressed and at that moment he would have given an ounce of silver to have had half a drachm of green silk there i say green silk because the stockings were green here cid hamet exclaimed as he was writing oh poverty poverty i know not what could have possessed the great cordovan poet to call the holy gift ungratefully received although a moor i know well enough from the intercourse i have had with christians that holiness consists in charity humility faith obedience and poverty but for all that i say he must have a great deal of godliness who can find any satisfaction in being poor unless indeed it be the kind of poverty one of their greatest saints refers to saying possess all things as though ye possess them not which is what they call poverty in spirit but thou that other poverty for it is of thee i am speaking now why dost thou love to fall out with gentlemen and men of good birth more than with other people why dost thou compel them to smear the cracks in their shoes and to have the buttons of their coats one silk another hair and another glass why must their ruffs be always crinkled like endive leaves and not crimped with a crimping iron from this we may perceive the iniquity of starch and crimped ruffs then he goes on poor gentleman of good family always cockering up his honour dining miserably and in secret and making a hypocrite of the toothpick with which he sallies out into the street after eating nothing to oblige him to use it poor fellow i say with his nervous honour fancying they perceive a league off the patch on his shoe the sweat-stains on his hat the shabbiness of his cloak 
fancying they perceive a league off the patch on his shoe the sweat stains on his hat the shabbiness of his cloak and the hunger of his stomach all this was brought home to don quixote by the bursting of his stitches however he comforted himself on perceiving that sancho had left behind a pair of travelling boots which he resolved to wear the next day at last he went to bed out of spirits and heavy at heart as much because he missed sancho as because of the irreparable disaster to his stockings the stitches of which he would have even taken up with silk of another colour which is one of the greatest signs of poverty a gentleman can show in the course of his never-failing embarrassments he put out the candles but the night was warm and he could not sleep he rose from his bed and opened slightly a grated window that looked out on a beautiful garden and as he did so he perceived and heard people walking and talking in the garden he set himself to listen attentively and those below raised their voices so that he could hear these words urge me not to sing eremencia for thou knowest that ever since the stranger entered the castle and my eyes beheld him i cannot sing but only weep besides my lady is a light rather than a heavy sleeper and i would not for all the wealth of the world that she found us here and even if she were asleep and did not waken my singing would be in vain if this strange aeneas who has come into my neighbourhood to flout me sleeps on and wakens not to hear it heed not that dear altisidora replied a voice the duchess is no doubt asleep and everybody in the house save the lord of thy heart and disturber of thy soul for just now i perceived him open the grated window of his chamber so he must be awake sing my poor sufferer in a low sweet tone to the accompaniment of thy harp and even if the duchess hears us we can lay the blame on the heat of the night that is not the point emerencia replied altisidora it is that i would not that my singing should lay bare my heart and that i should be thought a light and wanton maiden by those who know not the mighty power of love but come what may better a blush on the cheeks than a sore in the heart and here a harp softly touched made itself heard as he listened to all this don quixote was in a state of breathless amazement for immediately the countless adventures like this with windows gratings gardens serenades love-makings and languishings that he had read of in his trashy books of chivalry came to his mind he at once concluded that some damsel of the duchess's was in love with him and that her modesty forced her to keep her passion secret he trembled lest he should fall and made an inward resolution not to yield and commending himself with all his might and soul to his lady dulcinea he made up his mind to listen to the music and to let them know he was there he gave a pretended sneeze at which the damsels were not a little delighted for all they wanted was that don quixote should hear them so having tuned the harp altisidora running her hand across the strings began this ballad o thou that art above in bed between the holland sheets a lying there from night till morn with outstretched legs asleep o thou most valiant knight of all the famed manchegan breed of purity and virtue more than gold of araby give ear unto a suffering maid well grown but evil starred for those two sons of thine have lit a fire within her heart adventures seeking thou dost rove to others bringing woe thou scatterest wounds but ah the balm to heal them dost withhold say valiant youth and so may god thy enterprises speed didst thou the light mid libya's sands or jaca's rocks first see did scaly serpents give thee suck 
who nursed thee when a babe wert cradled in the forest rude or gloomy mountain cave old dulcinea may be proud that plump and lusty maid for she alone hath had the power a tiger fierce to tame and she for this shall famous be from tagus to harama from manzanares to henil from duero to arlanza fain would i change with her and give a petticoat to boot the best and bravest that i have all trimmed with gold galoon oh for to be the happy fair thy mighty arms enfold or even sit beside thy bed and scratch thy dusty pole i rave to favours such as these unworthy to aspire thy feet to tickle were enough for one so mean as i what caps what slippers silver-laced would i on thee bestow what damask breeches make for thee what fine long holland cloaks and i would give thee pearls that should as big as oak galls show so matchless big that each might well be called the great alone manchegan nero look not down from thy tarpeian rock upon this burning heart nor add the fuel of thy wrath a virgin soft and young am i not yet fifteen years old i'm only three months past fourteen i swear upon my soul i hobble not nor do i limp all blemish i'm without and as i walk my lily locks are trailing on the ground and though my nose be rather flat and though my mouth be wide my teeth like topazes exalt my beauty to the sky thou knowest that my voice is sweet that is if thou dost hear and i am moulded in a form somewhat below the mean these charms and many more are thine spoils to thy spear and bow all a damsel of this house am i by name altisidora here the lay of the heart-stricken altisidora came to an end while the warmly wooed don quixote began to feel alarm and with a deep sigh he said to himself oh that i should be such an unlucky knight that no damsel can set eyes on me but falls in love with me oh that the peerless dulcinea should be so unfortunate that they cannot let her enjoy my incomparable constancy and peace what would ye with her ye queens why do you persecute her ye empresses why ye pursue her ye virgins of from fourteen to fifteen leave the unhappy being to triumph rejoice and glory in the lot love has been pleased to bestow upon her in surrendering my heart and yielding up my soul to her ye love smitten host know that to dulcinea only i am dough and sugar-paste flint to all others for her i am honey for you aloes for me dulcinea alone is beautiful wise virtuous graceful and high-bred and all others are ill-favoured foolish light and low-born nature sent me into the world to be hers and no others altisidora may weep or sing the lady for whose sake they belaboured me in the castle of the enchanted moor may give way to despair but i must be dulcinea's boiled or roast pure courteous and chaste in spite of all the magic working powers on earth and with that he shut the window with a bang and as much out of temper and out of sorts as if some great misfortune had befallen him stretched himself on his bed where we will leave him for the present as the great sancho panza who is about to set up his famous government now demands our attention end of volume two part two chapter forty four recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter forty five of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra 
translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter forty five of how the great sancho panza took possession of his island and of how he made a beginning in governing o oh, perpetual discoverer of the antipodes torch of the world eye of heaven sweet stimulator of the water-coolers thimbraeus here phoebus there now archer now physician father of poetry inventor of music thou that always risest and notwithstanding appearances never settest to thee o son by whose aid man begetteth man to thee i appeal to help me and lighten the darkness of my wit that i may be able to proceed with scrupulous exactitude in giving an account of the great sancho panza's government for without thee i feel myself weak feeble and uncertain to come to the point then sancho with all his attendants arrived at a village of some thousand inhabitants and one of the largest the duke possessed they informed him that it was called the island of barataria either because the name of the village was baratario or because of the joke by way of which the government had been conferred upon him on reaching the gates of the town which was a walled one the municipality came forth to meet him the bells rang out a peal and the inhabitants showed every sign of general satisfaction and with great pomp they conducted him to the principal church to give thanks to god and then with burlesque ceremonies they presented him with the keys of the town and acknowledged him as perpetual governor of the island of barataria the costume the beard and the fat squat figure of the new governor astonished all those who were not in on the secret and even all who were and they were not a few finally leading him out of the church they carried him to the judgment seat and seated him on it and the duke's majordomo said to him it is an ancient custom in this island senor governor that he who comes to take possession of this famous island is bound to answer a question which shall be put to him and which must be a somewhat naughty and difficult one and by his answer the people take the measure of their new governor's wit and hail with joy or deplore his arrival accordingly while the majordomo was making this speech sancho was gazing at several large letters inscribed on the wall opposite his seat and as he could not read he asked what that was that was painted on the wall the answer was senor there is written and recorded the day on which your lordship took possession of this island and the inscription says this day the so-and-so of such-and-such such a month and year senor don sancho panza took possession of this island many years may he enjoy it and whom do they call don sancho panza asked sancho your lordship replied the majordomo for no other panza but the one who is now seated in that chair has ever entered this island well then let me tell you brother said sancho i haven't got the don nor has any one of my family ever had it my name is plain sancho panza and sancho was my father's name and sancho was my grandfather's and they were all panzas without any dons or donas tacked on i suspect that in this island there are more dons than stones but never mind god knows what i mean and maybe if my government lasts four days i'll weed out these dons that no doubt are as great a nuisance as the midges they're so plenty let the majordomo go on with his question and i'll give the best answer i can whether the people deplore or not at this instant there came into court two old men one carrying a cane by way of a walking-stick and the one who had no stick said senor 
Some time ago I lent this good man ten gold crowns in gold to gratify him and do him a service, on the condition that he was to return them to me whenever I should ask for them. A long time passed before I asked for them, for I would not put him to any greater straits to return them than he was in when I lent them to him. But thinking he was growing careless about payment, I asked for them once and several times. And not only will he not give them back, but he denies that he owes them, and says I never lent him any such crowns, or if I did, that he repaid them. And I have no witnesses either of the loan or the payment, for he never paid me. I want your worship to put him to his oath, and if he swears he returned them to me, I forgive him the debt here and before God. What say you to this, good old man, you with a stick, said Sancho? To which the old man replied, I admit, senor, that he lent them to me. But let your worship lower your staff, and as he leaves it to my oath, I'll swear that I gave them back and paid him really and truly. The governor lowered the staff, and as he did so, the old man who had the stick handed it to the other old man to hold for him while he swore, as if he found it in his way, and then laid his hand on the cross of the staff, saying that it was true the ten crowns that were demanded of him had been lent him, but that he had with his own hand given them back into the hand of the other and that he, not recollecting it, was always asking for them. Seeing this, the great governor asked the creditor what answer he had to make to what his opponent said. He said that no doubt his debtor had told the truth, for he believed him to be an honest man and a good Christian, and he himself must have forgotten when and how he had given back the crowns, and from that time forth he would make no further demand upon him. The debtor took his stick again, and bowing his head, left the court. Observing this, and how without another word he made off, and observing too the resignation of the plaintiff, Sancho buried his head in his bosom, and remained for a short space in deep thought, with the forefinger of his right hand on his brow and nose. Then he raised his head and bade them call back the old man with the stick, for he had already taken his departure. They brought him back, and as soon as Sancho saw him, he said, Honest man, give me that stick, for I want it. Willingly, said the old man, here it is, senor, and he put it into his hand. Sancho took it, and, handing it to the other old man, said to him, Go, and God be with you, for now you are paid. I, senor, returned the old man, why, is this cane worth ten gold crowns? Yes, said the governor, or if not, I am the greatest dolt in the world. Now you will see whether I have got the headpiece to govern a whole kingdom. And he ordered the cane to be broken in two, there in the presence of all. It was done and in the middle of it they found ten gold crowns. All were filled with amazement, and looked upon their governor as another Solomon. They asked him how he had come to the conclusion that the ten crowns were in the cane. He replied that, observing how the old man who swore gave the stick to his opponent while he was taking the oath, and swore that he had really and truly given him the crowns, and how as soon as he had done swearing he asked for the stick again, it came into his head that the sum demanded must be inside it and from this he said it might be seen that god sometimes guides those who govern in their judgments even though they may be fools besides he had himself heard the curate of his village mention just such another case and he had so good a memory that if it was not that he forgot everything he wished to remember there would not be such a memory in all the island to conclude the old men went off one crestfallen and the other in high contentment all who were present were astonished and he who was recording the words deeds and movements of sancho could not make up his mind whether he was to look upon him and set him down as a fool or as a man of sense. 
as soon as this case was disposed of there came into court a woman holding on with a tight grip to a man dressed like a well-to-do cattle dealer and she came forward making a great outcry and exclaiming justice senor governor justice and if i don't get it on earth i'll go look for it in heaven senor governor of my soul this wicked man caught me in the middle of the fields here and used my body as if it was an ill-washed rag and woe is me got from me what i had kept these three-and-twenty years and more defending it against moors and christians natives and strangers and i always as hard as an oak and keeping myself as pure as a salamander in the fire or wool among the brambles for this good fellow to come now with clean hands to handle me it remains to be proved whether this gallant has clean hands or not said sancho and turning to the man he asked him what he had to say in answer to the woman's charge he all in confusion made answer sirs i am a poor pig dealer and this morning i left the village to sell saving your presence four pigs and between dues and cribbings they got out of me little less than the worth of them as i was returning to my village i fell in on the road with this good dame and the devil who makes a coil and a mess out of everything yoked us together i paid her fairly but she not contented laid hold of me and never let go until she brought me here she says i forced her but she lies by the oath i swear or am ready to swear and this is the whole truth and every particle of it the governor on this asked him if he had any money in silver about him he said he had about twenty ducats and a leather purse in his bosom the governor bade him take it out and hand it to the complainant he obeyed trembling the woman took it and making a thousand salaams to all and praying to god for the long life and health of the senor governor who had such regard for distressed orphans and virgins she hurried out of court with a purse grasped in both her hands first looking however to see if the money it contained was silver as soon as she was gone sancho said to the cattle dealer whose tears were already starting and whose eyes and heart were following his purse good fellow go after that woman and take the purse from her by force even and come back with it here and he did not say it to one who was a fool or deaf for the man was off like a flash of lightning and ran to do as he was bid all the bystanders waited anxiously to see the end of the case and presently both man and woman came back at even closer grips than before she with her petticoat up and the purse in the lap of it and he struggling hard to take it from her but all to no purpose so stout was the woman's defence she all the while crying out justice from god in the world see here senor governor the shamelessness and boldness of this villain who in the middle of the town in the middle of the street wanted to take from me the purse your worship bade him give me and did he take it asked the governor take it said the woman i'd let my life be taken from me sooner than the purse a pretty child i'd be it's another sort of cat they must throw in my face and not that poor scurvy knave pinchers and hammers mallets and chisels would not get it out of my grip no nor lion's claws the soul from out of my body first she is right said the man i own myself beaten and powerless i confess i haven't the strength to take it from her and he let go his hold of her upon this the governor said to the woman let me see that purse my worthy and sturdy friend she handed it to him at once and the governor returned it to the man and said to the unforced mistress of force sister if you had shown as much or only half as much spirit and vigour in defending your body as you have shown in defending that purse the strength of hercules could not have forced you be off and god speed you and bad luck to you and don't show your face in all this island or within six leagues of it on any side under pain of two hundred lashes be off at once i say you shameless cheating shrew 
the woman was cowed and went off disconsolately hanging her head and the governor said to the man honest man go home with your money and god speed you and for the future if you don't want to lose it see that you don't take it into your head to yoke with anybody the man thanked him as clumsily as he could and went his way and the bystanders were again filled with admiration at their new governor's judgments and sentences next two men one apparently a farm labourer and the other a tailor for he had a pair of shears in his hand presented themselves before him and the tailor said senor governor this labourer and i come before your worship by reason of this honest man coming to my shop yesterday for saving everybody's presence i'm a past tailor god be thanked and putting a piece of cloth into my hands and asking me senor will there be enough in this cloth to make me a cap measuring the cloth i said there would he probably suspected as i supposed and i supposed right that i wanted to steal some of the cloth led to think so by his own roguery and the bad opinion people have of tailors and he told me to see if there would be enough for two i guessed what he would be at and i said yes he still following up his original unworthy notion went on adding cap after cap and i yes after yes until we got as far as five he has just this moment come for them i gave them to him but he won't pay me for the making on the contrary he calls upon me to pay him or else return his cloth is all this true brother said sancho yes replied the man but will your worship make him show the five caps he has made me with all my heart said the tailor and drawing his hand from under his cloak he showed five caps stuck upon the five fingers of it and said there are the caps this good man asked for and by god and upon my conscience i haven't a scrap of cloth left and i'll let the work be examined by the inspectors of the trade all present laughed at the number of caps and the novelty of the suit sancho set himself to think for a moment and then said it seems to me that in this case it is not necessary to deliver long-winded arguments but only to give off-hand the judgment of an honest man and so my decision is that the tailor lose the making and the labourer the cloth and that the caps go to the prisoners in the jail and let there be no more about it if the previous decision about the cattle dealer's purse excited the admiration of the bystanders this provoked their laughter however the governor's orders were after all executed all this having been taken down by his chronicler was at once dispatched to the duke who was looking out for it with great eagerness and here let us leave the good sancho for his master sorely troubled in mind by altisidora's music has pressing claims upon us now end of volume two part two chapter forty five recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter forty six of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two part two chapter forty six of the terrible bell and cat fright that don quixote got in the course of the enamoured altisidora's wooing we left don quixote wrapped up in the reflections which the music of the enamoured maid altisidora had given rise to he went to bed with them and just like fleas they would not let him sleep or get a moment's rest and the broken stitches of his stockings helped them but as time is fleet and no obstacle can stay his course he came riding on the hours and morning very soon arrived 
seeing which don quixote quitted the soft down and nowise slothful dressed himself in his chamois suit and put on his travelling boots to hide the disaster to his stockings he threw over him his scarlet mantle put on his head a montera of green velvet trimmed with silver edging flung across his shoulder the baldric with his good trenchant sword took up a large rosary that he always carried with him and with great solemnity and precision of gait proceeded to the antechamber where the duke and duchess were already dressed and waiting for him but as he passed through a gallery altisidora and the other damsel her friend were lying in wait for him and the instant altisidora saw him she pretended to faint while her friend caught her in her lap and began hastily unlacing the bosom of her dress don quixote observed it and approaching them said i know very well what this seizure arises from i know not from what replied the friend for altisidora is the healthiest damsel in all this house and i have never heard her complain all the time i have known her a plague on all the knights errant in the world if they be all ungrateful go away senor don quixote for this poor child will not come to herself again so long as you are here to which don quixote returned do me the favour senora to let a lute be placed in my chamber to-night and i will comfort this poor maiden to the best of my power for in the early stages of love a prompt disillusion is an approved remedy and with this he retired so as not to be remarked by any who might see him there he had scarcely withdrawn when altisidora recovering from her swoon said to her companion the lute must be left for no doubt don quixote intends to give us some music and being his it will not be bad they went at once to inform the duchess of what was going on and of the lute don quixote asked for and she delighted beyond measure plotted with the duke and her two damsels to play him a trick that should be amusing but harmless and in high glee they waited for night which came quickly as the day had come and as for the day the duke and duchess spent it in charming conversation with don quixote when eleven o'clock came don quixote found a guitar in his chamber he tried it opened the window and perceived that some persons were walking in the garden and having passed his fingers over the frets of the guitar and tuned it as well as he could he spat and cleared his chest and then with a voice a little hoarse but full-toned he sang the following ballad which he had himself that day composed mighty love the hearts of maidens doth unsettle and perplex and the instrument he uses most of all is idleness sewing stitching any labour having always work to do to the poison love instilleth is the antidote most sure and to proper-minded maidens who desire the matron's name modesty's a marriage portion modesty their highest praise men of prudence and discretion courtiers gay and gallant knights with the wanton damsels dally but the modest take to wife there are passions transient fleeting loves and hostelries declared sunrise loves with sunset ended when the guest hath gone his way love that springs up swift and sudden here to-day to-morrow flown passes leaves no trace behind it leaves no image on the soul painting that is laid on painting maketh no display or show where one's beauty's in possession there no other can take hold dulcinea del toboso painted on my heart i wear never from its tablets never can her image be erased the quality of all in lovers most esteemed is constancy 
tis by this that love works wonders this exalts them to the skies don quixote had got so far with his song to which the duke the duchess altisidora and nearly the whole household of the castle were listening when all of a sudden from a gallery above that was exactly over his window they let down a cord with more than a hundred bells attached to it and immediately after that discharged a great sack full of cats which also had bells of smaller size tied to their tails such was the din of the bells and the squalling of the cats that though the duke and duchess were the contrivers of the joke they were startled by it while don quixote stood paralyzed with fear and as luck would have it two or three of the cats made their way in through the grating of his chamber and flying from one side to the other made it seem as if there was a legion of devils at large in it they extinguished the candles that were burning in the room and rushed about seeking some way of escape the cord with the large bells never ceased rising and falling and most of the people of the castle not knowing what was really the matter were at their wits end with astonishment don quixote sprang to his feet and drawing his sword began making passes at the grating shouting out avant malignant enchanters avant ye witchcraft working rabble i am don quixote of la mancha against whom your evil machinations avail not nor have any power and turning upon the cats that were running about the room he made several cuts at them they dashed at the grating and escaped by it save one that finding itself hard pressed by the slashes of don quixote's sword flew at his face and held on to his nose tooth and nail with the pain of which he began to shout his loudest the duke and duchess hearing this and guessing what it was ran with all haste to his room and as the poor gentleman was contriving with all his might to detach the cat from his face they opened the door with the master key and went in with lights and witnessed the unequal combat the duke ran forward to part the combatants but don quixote cried out aloud let no one take him from me leave me hand to hand with this demon this wizard this enchanter i will teach him i myself who don quixote of la mancha is the cat however never minding these threats snarled and held on but at last the duke pulled it off and flung it out of the window don quixote was left with a face as full of holes as a sieve and a nose not in very good condition and greatly vexed that they did not let him finish the battle he had been so stoutly fighting with that villain of an enchanter they sent for some oil of john's wort and altisidora herself with her own fair hands bandaged all the wounded parts and as she did so she said to him in a low voice all these mishaps have befallen thee hard-hearted knight for the sin of thy insensibility and obstinacy and god grant thy squire sancho may forget to whip himself so that that dearly beloved dulcinea of thine may never be released from her enchantment that thou mayest never come to her bed at least while i who adore thee am alive to all this don quixote made no answer except to heave deep sighs and then stretched himself on his bed thanking the duke and duchess for their kindness not because he stood in any fear of that bell-ringing rabble of enchanters in cat shape but because he recognized their good intentions in coming to his rescue the duke and duchess left him to repose and withdrew greatly grieved at the unfortunate result of the joke as they never thought the adventure would have fallen so heavy on don quixote or cost him so dear for it cost him five days of confinement to his bed during which he had another adventure pleasanter than the late one which his chronicler will not relate just now in order that he may turn his attention to sancho panza 
who was proceeding with great diligence and drollery in his government. End of Volume 2, Part 2, Chapter 46 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine Volume 2, Part 2, Chapter 47 Of the Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra Translated by John Ormsby, 1829 to 1895. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Volume 2, Part 2, Chapter 47. Wherein is continued the account of how Sancho Panza conducted himself in his government. The history says that from the justice court they carried Sancho to a sumptuous palace, where in a spacious chamber there was a table laid out with royal magnificence. The clarions sounded as Sancho entered the room, and four pages came forward to present him with water for his hands, which Sancho received with great dignity. The music ceased, and Sancho seated himself at the head of the table, for there was only that seat placed, and no more than one cover laid. A personage, who it appeared afterwards was a physician, placed himself standing by his side with a whalebone wand in his hand. They then lifted up a fine white cloth covering fruit and a great variety of dishes of different sorts. One who looked like a student said grace, and a page put a laced bib on Sancho, while another, who played the part of head carver, placed a dish of fruit before him. But hardly had he tasted a morsel when the man with the wand touched the plate with it, and they took it away from before him with the utmost celerity. The carver, however, brought him another dish, and Sancho proceeded to try it, but before he could get at it, not to say taste it, already the wand had touched it, and a page had carried it off with the same promptitude as the fruit. Sancho, seeing this, was puzzled, and looking from one to another, asked if this dinner was to be eaten after the fashion of a jugglery trick. To this he with the wand replied, It is not to be eaten, senor governor except as is usual and customary in other islands where there are governors i senor am a physician and i am paid a salary in this island to serve its governors as such and i have a much greater regard for their health than for my own studying day and night and making myself acquainted with the governor's constitution in order to be able to cure him when he falls sick the chief thing i have to do is to attend at his dinners and suppers and allow him to eat what appears to me to be fit for him and keep from him what i think will do him harm and be injurious to his stomach and therefore i ordered that plate of fruit to be removed as being too moist and that other dish i ordered to be removed as being too hot and containing many spices that stimulate thirst for he who drinks much kills and consumes the radical moisture wherein life consists well then said sancho that dish of roast partridges there that seems so savoury will not do me any harm to this the physician replied of those my lord the governor shall not eat so long as i live why so said sancho because replied the doctor our master hippocrates the pole star and beacon of medicine says in one of his aphorisms omnis saturatio mala perdicis autem pessima which means all repletion is bad but that of partridge is the worst of all in that case said sancho let senor doctor see among the dishes that are on the table what will do me most good and least harm and let me eat it without tapping it with his stick for by the life of the governor and so may god suffer me to enjoy it 
but i'm dying of hunger and in spite of the doctor and all he may say to deny me food is the way to take my life instead of prolonging it your worship is right senor governor said the physician and therefore your worship i consider should not eat of those stewed rabbits there because it is a furry kind of food if that veal were not roasted and served with pickles you might try it but it is out of the question that big dish that is smoking farther off said sancho seems to me to be an olla podrida and out of the diversity of things in such ollas i can't fail to light upon something tasty and good for me absit said the doctor far from us be any such base thought there is nothing in the world less nourishing than an olla podrida two canons or rectors of colleges or peasants weddings with your ollas podridas but let us have none of them on the tables of governors where everything that is present should be delicate and refined and the reason is that always everywhere and by everybody simple medicines are more esteemed than compound ones for we cannot go wrong in those that are simple while in the compound we may by merely altering the quantity of the things composing them but what i am of opinion the governor should eat now in order to preserve and fortify his health is a hundred or so of wafer cakes and a few thin slices of conserve of quinces which will settle his stomach and help his digestion sancho on hearing this threw himself back in his chair and surveyed the doctor steadily and in a solemn tone asked him what his name was and where he had studied he replied my name senor governor is dr pedro recio de aguero i am a native of a place called tirteafuera which lies between caracuel and almodovar del campo on the right-hand side and i have the degree of doctor from the university of osuna to which sancho glowing all over with rage returned then let dr pedro recio de malaguero native of tirteafuera a place that's on the right-hand side as we go from caracuel to almodovar del campo graduate of osuna get out of my presence at once or i swear by the sun i'll take a cudgel and by dint of blows beginning with him i'll not leave a doctor in the whole island at least of those i know to be ignorant for as to learned wise sensible physicians them i will reverence and honour as divine persons once more i say let pedro recio get out of this or i'll take this chair i am sitting on and break it over his head and if they call me to account for it i'll clear myself by saying i serve god in killing a bad doctor a general executioner and now give me something to eat or else take your government for a trade that does not feed its master is not worth two beans the doctor was dismayed when he saw the governor in such a passion and he would have made a tirtea fuera out of the room but that the same instant a post-horn sounded in the street and the carver putting his head out of the window turned round and said it's a courier from my lord the duke no doubt with some dispatch of importance the courier came in all sweating and flurried and taking a paper from his bosom placed it in the governor's hands sancho handed it to the majordomo and bade him read the superscription which ran thus to don sancho panza governor of the island of barataria into his own hands are those of his secretary sancho when he heard this said which of you is my secretary i am senor said one of those present for i can read and write and am a biscayan with that addition said sancho you might be secretary to the emperor himself open this paper and see what it says the new-born secretary obeyed and having read the contents said the matter was one to be discussed in private sancho ordered the chamber to be cleared 
the majordomo and the carver only remaining so the doctor and the others withdrew and then the secretary read the letter which was as follows it has come to my knowledge senor don sancho panza that certain enemies of mine and of the island are about to make a furious attack upon it some night i know not when it behooves you to be on the alert and keep watch that they surprise you not i also know by trustworthy spies that four persons have entered the town in disguise in order to take your life because they stand in dread of your great capacity keep your eyes open and take heed who approaches you to address you and eat nothing that is presented to you i will take care to send you aid if you find yourself in difficulty but in all things you will act as may be expected of your judgment from this place the sixteenth of august at four in the morning your friend the duke sancho was astonished and those who stood by made believe to be so too and turning to the majordomo he said to him what we have got to do first and it must be done at once is to put dr recio in the lock-up for if any one wants to kill me it is he and by a slow death and the worst of all which is hunger likewise said the carver it is my opinion your worship should not eat anything that is on this table for the whole was a present from some nuns and as they say behind the cross there is the devil i don't deny it said sancho so for the present give me a piece of bread and four pounds or so of grapes no poison can come in them for the fact is i can't go on without eating and if we are to be prepared for these battles that are threatening us we must be well provisioned for it is the tripes that carry the heart and not the heart the tripes and you secretary answer my lord the duke and tell him that all his commands shall be obeyed to the letter as he directs and say from me to my lady the duchess that i kiss her hands and that i beg of her not to forget to send my letter and bundle to my wife teresa panza by a messenger and i will take it as a great favour and will not fail to serve her in all that may lie within my power and as you are about it you might enclose a kiss of the hand to my master don quixote that he may see i am grateful bred and as a good secretary and a good biscayan you may add whatever you like and whatever will come in best and now take away this cloth and give me something to eat and i'll be ready to meet all the spies and assassins and enchanters that may come against me or my island at this instant a page entered saying here is a farmer on business who wants to speak to your lordship on a matter of great importance he says it's very odd said sancho the ways of these men on business is it possible they can be such fools as not to see that an hour like this is no hour for coming on business we who govern and we who are judges are we not men of flesh and blood and are we not to be allowed the time required for taking rest unless they'd have us made of marble by god and on my conscience if the government remains in my hands which i have a notion it won't i'll bring more than one man on business to order however tell this good man to come in but take care first of all that he is not some spy or one of my assassins no my lord said the page for he looks like a simple fellow and either i know very little or he is as good as good bread there is nothing to be afraid of said the majordomo for we are all here would it be possible carver said sancho now that dr pedro recio is not here to let me eat something solid and substantial if it were even a piece of bread and an onion to-night at supper said the carver the shortcomings of the dinner shall be made good and your lordship shall be fully contented god grant it said sancho the farmer now came in a well-favoured man that one might see a thousand leagues off was an honest fellow and a good soul the first thing he said was which is the lord governor here which should it be said the secretary 
but he who is seated in the chair then i humble myself before him said the farmer and going on his knees he asked for his hand to kiss it sancho refused it and bade him stand up and say what he wanted the farmer obeyed and then said i am a farmer senor a native of miguelturra a village two leagues from ciudad real another tirtea fuera said sancho say on brother i know miguelturra very well i can tell you for it's not very far from my own town the case is this senor continued the farmer that by god's mercy i am married with the leave and license of the holy roman catholic church i have two sons students and the younger is studying to become bachelor and the elder to be licentiate i am a widower for my wife died or more properly speaking a bad doctor killed her on my hands giving her a purge when she was with child and if it had pleased god that the child had been born and was a boy i would have put him to study for doctor that he might not envy his brothers the bachelor and the licentiate so that if your wife had not died or had not been killed you would not now be a widower said sancho no senor certainly not said the farmer you've got that much settled said sancho get on brother for it's more bedtime than business time well then said the farmer this son of mine who is going to be a bachelor fell in love in the said town with a damsel called clara perilarina daughter of andres perilino a very rich farmer and this name of perilinas does not come to them by ancestry or descent but because all the family are paralytics and for a better name they call themselves perlerinas though to tell the truth the damsel is as fair as an oriental pearl and like a flower of the field if you look at her on the right side on the left not so much for on that side she wants an eye that she lost by smallpox and though her face is thickly and deeply pitted those who love her say they are not pits that are there but the graves where the hearts of her lovers are buried she is so cleanly that not to soil her face she carries her nose turned up as they say so that one would fancy it was running away from her mouth and with all this she looks extremely well for she has a wide mouth and but for wanting ten or a dozen teeth and grinders she might compare and compete with the comeliest of her lips i say nothing for they are so fine and thin that if lips might be reeled one might make a skein of them but being of a different colour from ordinary lips they are wonderful for they are mottled blue green and purple let my lord the governor pardon me for painting so minutely the charms of her who some time or other will be my daughter for i love her and i don't find her amiss paint what you will said sancho i enjoy your painting and if i had dined there could be no dessert more to my taste than your portrait that i have still to furnish said the farmer but a time will come when we may be able if we are not now and i can tell you senor if i could paint her gracefulness and her tall figure it would astonish you but that is impossible because she is bent double with her knees up to her mouth but for all that it is easy to see that if she could stand up she'd knock her head against the ceiling and she would have given her hand to my bachelor ere this only that she can't stretch it out for it's contracted but still one can see its elegance and fine make by its long furrowed nails that will do brother said sancho consider you have painted her from head to foot what is it you want now come to the point without all this beating about the bush and all these scraps and additions i want your worship senor said the farmer to do me the favour of giving me a letter of recommendation to the girl's father begging him to be so good as to let this marriage take place as we are not ill-matched either in the gifts of fortune or of nature for to tell the truth senor governor my son is possessed of a devil and there is not a day but the evil spirits torment him three or four times 
and from having once fallen into the fire he has his face puckered up like a piece of parchment and his eyes watery and always running but he has the disposition of an angel and if it was not for belaboring and pummeling himself he'd be a saint is there anything else you want good man said sancho there's another thing i'd like said the farmer but i'm afraid to mention it however out it must for after all i can't let it be rotting in my breast come what may i mean senor that i'd like your worship to give me three hundred or six hundred ducats as a help to my bachelor's portion to help him in setting up house for they must in short live by themselves without being subject to the interferences of their fathers-in-law just see if there's anything else you'd like said sancho and don't hold back from mentioning it out of bashfulness or modesty no indeed there is not said the farmer the moment he said this the governor started to his feet and seizing the chair he had been sitting on exclaimed by all that's good you ill-bred boorish don bumpkin if you don't get out of this at once and hide yourself from my sight i'll lay your head open with this chair you whore-son rascal you devil's own painter and is it at this hour you come to ask me for six hundred ducats how should i have them you stinking brute and why should i give them to you if i had them you knave and blockhead what have i to do with miguel tura or the whole family of the perlerines get out i say or by the life of my lord the duke i'll do as i said you're not from miguel tura but some knave sent here from hell to tempt me why you villain i have not yet had the government half a day and you want me to have six hundred ducats already the carver made signs to the farmer to leave the room which he did with his head down and to all appearance in terror lest the governor should carry his threats into effect for the rogue knew very well how to play his part but let us leave sancho in his wrath and peace be with them all and let us return to don quixote whom we left with his face bandaged and doctored after the cat wounds of which he was not cured for eight days and on one of these there befell him what seed hamet promises to relate with that exactitude and truth with which he is wont to set forth everything connected with this great history however minute it may be end of volume two part two chapter forty seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.